So I just want to start with a, a little, little joke. And it says, there, the pastor's, pastor announced there will be a church board meeting immediately following the service. And after the close of the service, the church board gathered at the back of the sanctuary for the announced meeting. But there was a stranger in their midst, a visitor who had never attended the church before. My friend, said the pastor, didn't you understand this is a meeting of the board? Yes, said the visitor, visitor, and after today's sermon, I suppose I'm just about as bored as anyone who came to the meeting. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> Hope, hopefully this, <laughs> thank you, hopefully this message is not boring. So, I want to ask a question to start out with. How many here would like to never experience disappointment again in their life? Yeah, a few hands going up, yeah. Great. I'm sure we'd all love this, never to experience disappointment again. You know, like, wow, how would that change our life? Well, this morning, I've got some news for you. You will experience disappointment. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm really sorry, but that's life. However, the one thing we don't need to do is set up camp in that disappointment. Okay. A.W. Tozer, and you'll have to excuse the language, this was written in the early 1900s, but it says, the low view of God entertained almost universally among Christians is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. The decline of the knowledge of the holy has brought on our troubles. A rediscovery of the majesty of God will go a long way to curing them. Okay. So our primary scripture this morning is going to be from Romans 10, 9 through 13. And it said, and what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will experience salvation. And we could end the service right there. That's great news. Go and run with it. But we won't. <clears throat> the heart that believes in him receives a gift of, of the righteousness of God. And then the mouth that gives thanks to salvation, for the scripture encourages us with these words. And here's the words. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. But wait, didn't you just say that I would experience disappointment? Yes, I did. But I also said don't set up camp there. I think far too often we allow hurts, these setbacks and losses to determine our attitude and our outlook on life. And that discolors our view of the world, and we end up setting, a setting up a campsite in the middle of this negativity that's happening in our lives. And all of this pain becomes our new reality and our life. And Roman goes on to say, so then faith eliminates the distraction between new and non-Jew. For he is the same Lord Jehovah for all people. And he has enough treasures to lavish generously upon all who call on him. And it's true, everyone who calls on the name of Lord Yahweh will be rescued and experience new life. Again, more great news. So as we look at other translations of this verse, instead of the word disappointment, they use words like ashamed and disgraced. And the Message Bible says that, actually says that no one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. And this verse 11 is cross-referenced actually back to a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 28:16, uh, where it says, "Here's what the Lord God says: Behold, I am in place. I am in place in Zion. I sorry, I said in place in Zion, a foundation stone, fully tested and proven to be faithful and secure. 
And written upon the precious cornerstone is this, those who trust in him will not act in haste. Other translations say, won't panic, won't experience worry. All great things that we would love to do. If you lose us online, the lights are flickering, the power goes out, just you know, carry on with your day. We'll carry on here in the dark, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's the key to not experiencing disappointment, shame, grace, or regret. We need to put our faith in Jesus. And I know this sounds so simple, yet at times in our life, we're putting more faith in ourselves than we are in him. The foundation stone mentioned in that verse uh, is Christ. And the Hebrew word for stone is actually taken from the root word son. So God's foundation stone is his son, Jesus. Now this stone... God's Son has become many, and if we look at that in 1 Peter 2, 5, and 7, it says, and you, speaking of now of the believers, are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am, a, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him, but those who reject him, the stone that the builders have rejected have now has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. If we go back to that verse in Isaiah, it also says that he is our precious cornerstone. And that word precious means of high worth or value, highly esteemed or cherished, dear or beloved. I believe if we truly catch this, that we can experience a life of at least limited disappointment. And when this disappointment comes, we can confidently say because of our trust in him, because of our salvation, because of the redemption promises that, you know what, I'm just passing through. It was a bump on the road of life. It was brief but I'm back on track. So Isaiah was chosen by God to deliver an important message to the Israelites. God set up his people for an incredible future of redemption and hope. But before all that can happen, God gave Isaiah an, intensive, an intense vision that overwhelmed him. And this was a crucial moment for Isaiah to trust the Lord's plan and faithfulness. Now, this is from the voice translation. It's Isaiah 21.3, and I don't know how you would react or experience this, but this is what Isaiah described that vision as doing to him. He says, my stomach sinks. My gut churns with pain. As a woman in labor wretches and writhes, I can hardly bear the news. I cannot hear because I'm bent over with agony. I cannot see because I'm in a deep fog of depression. That's a pretty, pretty intense vision. And I think sometimes our biggest fears is the fear of bad news, or we could say maybe disappointment. We hear this bad news, and then it's usually followed with a worst-case scenario thinking. And then suddenly we're overtaken by torrents of anxiety and feelings of helplessness, right? And it's like, it's so... You know that God has a sense of humor, because I've been focusing on this verse, everyone who believes in Him will never be disappointed for a few weeks, and I knew that was the next message, right? A few weeks. So everybody knows if you follow us on Facebook, we're trying to sell our condo, wanted to buy a home, got very excited about all of this opportunity to buy a new home, and I'm focusing on this verse, 
and we get an offer and things fell through and it didn't work out and I wake up with extreme disappointment <laughs> and discouragement and frustration and worry. It's like, now what's going to happen? This is overwhelming me, right? And then Marge walks in and says, uh, you know, get over it, right? Basically, <laughs> because she's a wise woman, a smart woman, right? And, but see, during these times that we get into, into this, you know, times of, times of prayer, getting into it can be very difficult, right? Our flesh finds relief in making plans and figuring out our own solutions. But if we really think about it, we can use these difficult, this difficulty as an opportunity to actually transform our prayer life. Oftentimes, we harden our pain by minimizing it and hiding it. We get annoyed, even offended when friends try to help us or your wife walks into the room and says, get over it, <laughs> right? Our resistance to vulnerability makes us unsympathetic and fake. But Isaiah is inspiring because he doesn't hold back when, with God. He expresses his deep pain and how hard it is to hear and see him in the midst of it all. His connection to God deepens during this difficult time. Isaiah 49, 3-14 from the New Living Translation, he said, He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, But my work seems so useless. I haven't spent my strength for, for, I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. What a great example we could take from him. I think part of the reason Isaiah's faith stayed strong despite the bad news was that he was being honest about his doubt and his frustration, and he believed deeply in God's purpose. We need to believe that God chose me, he chose you to help others to know him. And that should both challenge and inspire us. Our vulnerable prayers unlock a deeper level of intimacy with God. When was the last time you were truly vulnerable in your prayer time? Going to him saying, Lord, I've exhausted all my options. I don't know how to get through this, and I can't do it without your strength. Give me wisdom. Guide me. Job 38, 4-7, and this is God speaking. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone? While well, the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. When we look at those statements and we allow ourselves to become overcome by anxiety and stress and disappointments and grace, and hear my heart, I'm not trying to minimize those feelings, right? We're human beings. We're going to be overwhelmed by some of these things at times. But in the scheme of things, if we are truly living a Christ-like life, like we're called to live, and we have believed and experienced salvation, and salvation actually means liberated and saved and delivered and victorious, if the God who actually marked off the dimensions of the universe, can you imagine that chalk line, right? That measuring tape. And he set the footings in the of the galaxy in place, is truly our king and savior, then I'm sure he can handle our issues, remove them and allow us to move, forth, move forward in a life with renewed freedom and security. He created the universe and he holds it in his hand. And we're worried that my condo didn't sell. It did, by the way. 
we have a firm offer, so we're moving. So it really blows my mind that I let things get to me, right? Where my attitude is really selfish, if I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't get my way, so I'm going to sit over here and sulk, and this 53-year-old dude is whining and complaining that something didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Meanwhile, God is sitting there going, Al, I love you. You're my son, and I love you. And then he uses the words of a wise woman, get over it. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching a message from Bill Johnson last week, and I just I stumbled across it, and he tells the story, and it, <laughs> that was so good, and it's so appropriate in this message. We're praying to God, Lord, please, I really want a Porsche. Father, a Porsche would just be amazing. Father, please, Lord, give me a Porsche. I really want a Porsche. Desire of my heart, Lord, I want a Porsche. And then because we're spirit-filled and we believe in praying in other tongues, I switch over to my spiritual prayer and Holy Spirit's communicating God on behalf of me and things that I don't necessarily understand. And he's saying, Father, don't, don't give him a Porsche. He's going to kill himself. <laughs> right? <laughs> And meanwhile, then I sit back and I'm like, I didn't get my Porsche, right? I didn't know any better, but Holy Spirit did. I thought that was a great example. So good. So point one, if I was to assign points to my message, is to not experience disappointment in our lives. We really need to truly trust that what God says is true is actually true. And that he is our cornerstone, that firm foundation so if we dive deeper into that the cornerstone is our sure foundation for believers, but a stumbling block for unbelievers, rejection of the cornerstone leads to stumbling. If we look at Matthew 21, 42 to 44, and this is Jesus speaking, it says that the stone that the builders rejected, him, has now become the cornerstone, and that he says anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone who falls on it. I see these verses and it made me wonder immediately. It says, if I'm experiencing pain and disappointment, and it's just me thinking in my own thought life and questioning, and I don't have theology to maybe back this up necessarily, but if I'm experiencing pain and disappointment in my life, have I walked away from God? And I'm saying, have I lost my salvation? That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying, have I walked away from Him? Have I allowed sin to creep into my life? If we go back to 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8, it says, for those who reject him, another translation says, or those who do not believe, they stumble because they don't, do not obey God's word. And that word stumble, if you dig down into its meaning, figuratively, this word refers to causing offense or sin. So I... Yes, that verse specifically was talking about unbelievers if you read it in context, but my commentary says that their stumbling is their own fault because of their refusal to obey the word of the gospel. But then if you look at Romans 14, 13, which is actually talking to believers, it says stop, so stop, let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead, instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. So then I have to examine my own life again. Look at me and say, have I allowed my actions, my words, to cause another believer to stumble or fall? Have I allowed myself to take offense? There's been plenty of opportunity over the past couple of years to take offense to things if we let our guard down. We've seen it over and over again in our communities. 
And I don't want to dwell on that this morning, but we could go on on that, but we won't. There's a great new song by Christine DeMarco, and it's called What If Jesus? And I was going to pull a few lines out from a message, but I could not take anything away from the song. I think it's perfect just the way it is, so I am not going to sing it for you this morning, but I am going to read you the lyrics. It says, what if Jesus is okay with letting parts of him remain a mystery? What if Jesus is just smiling when I think down here, I must know everything? <laughs> what if my views don't reflect his fullness and there's still so much more of heaven yet to see? What if trusting him is what he's really looking for? Would that be good enough, good enough for me? What if Jesus sees what I miss and he does not share all my thoughts on politics? What if his body bridges these chasms that I have dug out of my own self-righteousness? And what if people I don't agree with, listen to this, are the same ones pouring perfume on his feet? What if Jesus gets the whole of his reward? What if Jesus gets the whole of his reward? Would that be beautiful, beautiful to me? What if Jesus desires mercy while I'm busy judging others for their deeds? I have, I've, because I have his heart and friendship then I must know he loves the liars and the thieves. What if I spend life in his vineyard and at midnight he redeems my enemies? What if trusting him is what he's looking for? Would that be good enough, good enough for me? What if Jesus' wedding table holds the people that have hurt and wounded me? What if I'm seated in the middle? Well, at the head are some who've only just believed. Oh, what after all I've been through, everyone gets the same he promised me. What if Jesus alone is, re is the reward? He would be good enough, good enough for me. He'd be more than good enough, good enough for me. They're powerful words. So point two to living a life with no disappointment would be to ensure that we are, with God's help, living a sinless life and not taking offense. To ensure that we are not stumbling or being a stumbling block. Have I allowed my view on politics to cause strife and division? These are all great questions we need to ask ourselves and maybe even ask Holy Spirit to reveal areas of our life where this has crept in. Point three would have to be that there's security as believers when we learn to rely on the cornerstone. A cornerstone can be in the foundation, above ground level, or at the summit of the roof, and it's then called a capstone. The cornerstone of a large building gives it a re reliable, firm foundation, leading, it, leading to the cohesion and stability of the whole building. In Scripture, such foundation stones are taken as, some, as a symbol, symbolic of the basis of faith in Jesus. Jesus is represented by both the foundation upon which the church is built and the capstone which crowns the whole. If we look at Ephesians 2, 20 to 22, and from, this is from the Passion Translation, says, you are rising like a perfectly fitted stone of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And the best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and continually growing under his supervision until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into, into the Holy of Holies, His dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. 
you and I are under construction, continually growing. God is transforming you, if you will allow him. My commentary on those verses says that the church is compared to a city and it's also compared to a house, and every converted sinner is one of the family, a servant and a child in God's house. The church is also compared to a building founded on the doctrine of Christ. God dwells in all believers now. They become the temple of, the whole, of God through the working of the Spirit. It then went on to ask a series of questions. So I'm going to read these questions to you, and I think they're great questions that we can ask ourselves over this coming week as we, re- we reflect on our life and what is happening. So here are the questions. Are our hopes fixed on Christ? Have we devoted ourselves as holy temples to God through Him? Are we habitations of God by the Spirit? Are we spiritually minded? And do we bring forth the fruit of the Spirit? And then it challenges us with the following. To not grieve the Holy Spirit and to desire His gracious presence and influence upon our hearts. So if we do these things, I believe we will limit our disappointments in life. Church, when we feel disappointment, it should be taking us to him in prayer, and we should be getting into the word. At the end of the day, we need to accept some facts. We will experience disappointments as long as we are on this planet. People will let us down. We'll not always get everything we ask for or want. Our bodies will age. Sickness will come. Feelings will get hurt. However, And this is a big however. Jesus will never disappoint us. He is on our side. He is for us. And that for means in favor of. Jesus is in favor of you. Do you believe it? And the day we leave this body, we'll truly never experience disappointment again. This book right here promises that And that is something you can put your hope in. Everything we experience here is truly temporary. So I'll end up with another quote from Bill Johnson. It says, If I have more input from social media than I do from the Word of God, then my discouragement or disappointment is self-inflicted. Who are you turning to for your source? Is it this? Holy Spirit? God the Father? Or is it Facebook? Better not be the last one. So, Father God, I just thank you for this message this morning. Father, I just pray that it would impact the lives of those that that hear it. Father, that we would take this seriously, Father, and and to understand that you are the cornerstone, that, that the disappointments we experience in this life are truly just temporary, Father, and that with your strength, we can get through them victorious. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.